This is the White Law PLLC Tellgate Show on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIL and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Brought to you by White Law PLLC, Shaheen Chevrolet, Price Wright Auto and RV, Blue Moon Belgian White. A PLLC Telgate Show on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM, Classic Rock, 94.9 MMQ, and special game day edition of The Game, 7.30 AM. Today's broadcast is brought to you by White Law PLLC, Shaheen Chevrolet, Price Wright Auto and RV, Blue Moon Belgian White. Now, let's talk to the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout, and offensive-minded host, Beanie Howell, from the Price Wright Auto and RV Studios. Welcome in White Law PLLC Tailgate Show from the Price Right RV Studios here at 1240 WJIM Lansing's Big Talker and Classic Rock 949 MMQ also brought to you by Blue Moon Belgian White, Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac, MSU Healthcare Sports Medicine, Doubting Industries, Shoepan and Sons Recycling Industrial Services, Gravity Smokehouse and MSU Federal Credit Union. I'm Beanie. You can hear me weekdays 4 to 6 p.m. on Offensive Minded on the game 7.30 a.m. Lansing's only sports station. Joined by the Dean of Sports himself, Tim Stout, heard daily 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the game 7.30 a.m. And behind the glass, keeping us on the air, keeping you updated on weather, it's Brock Palmbush, also heard daily from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Southern Sports on the game 7.30 a.m. All right, MSU, season on the brink at... Perhaps the most surprising team this college football season, certainly in the Big Ten, the 7-1 and one and number 14 in the initial college football playoff rankings, fighting a line eye of Illinois. Weather might be a factor today, Tim. What do you think? The, per the Weather Channel, windy with showers, 50% chance of rain and gusts up to 50 miles per hour today. I thought that was the forecast here. It is. If it would have been a home game today, it would have been a little tough on the fans, let alone uh, in the stands. Uh, Andy told me last night that through the game itself, he didn't think that was going to be a big deal down there, that most of the weather here cleared through there last night. But I guess once we get to you know kickoff, we'll see one way or the other. Guys, I actually have the uh, forecast here. Uh, thank, you to, thank you to the trusty Internet. Uh, temperature steady in the mid-60s. Showers likely. Winds out of the south, 20 to 25 miles an hour. Gusts as high as 50 miles an hour, maybe even uh, well, more that than that. sounds like you just said. Yeah, yeah, there's a wind, and there is a wind advisory in Champaign, Illinois. Until 8 p.m., so there will be pretty bad gusts at time. Um, I don't know if that matters because Illinois wants to run and run and run and run and run on offense. Well, you hear it all the time, year after year after year on a wind issue. I hear all the experts say, well, it favors this team or that team. I've never bought into that at all. I think it can create some strange plays. I think it can do that, but favoring or not favoring one team over another, uh, other than Brock knows that I always say when it's a close game and it's in the fourth quarter, I want the wind at my back if we get down to where a field goal or an extra point's going to win or lose this thing one way or the other. I saw that last night uh, in a high school game where the wind was a factor last night in this area uh, near the end of a game, but whether it's a factor today and at Illinois or any place else in the Midwest or in the Big Ten or not, I guess we'll we'll find out. Historically, the 48th all-time meeting between MSU and Illinois dates back to 1955. That was MSU's first year in the Big Ten. MSU leads the series 26 wins uh, for them, 19 for Illinois, two ties. Illinois has won the last two played. 2019, 
uh, with very forgettable for those in this part of the country where Illinois scored 27 points in the fourth quarter to overcome a 28 to three halftime deficit, winning at Spartan Stadium 37 to 34 in Mark D'Antonio's final year. And perhaps more interestingly, Tim, the guy who caught the game winning touchdown yeah. for Illinois is now Michigan State's starting tight end. Daniel Barker. I mean, he had two losses of his 57 in his 13-year career, which to me stand out over any other losses. The one was the home loss to Central Michigan on a second field goal at the end of the game after Central missed one and a penalty let him kick it over and they made it. And that Illinois game, because that was a Lovey Smith team that was going absolutely nowhere, and it's 28-3 to at the half, and everybody's a sleeper they've left. And like you say, out of nowhere – in the second half, Illinois looked like the 85 Bears, and they come back and hit one with that kid late in the game, and somehow, some went. boy, I'll tell you, if, uh, looking at Mark on the sidelines, I, 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 and I think he felt afterwards a loss he'll never forget, and I wouldn't either if I would have lost that game, too. Totally agree. Uh, speaking of... You know, State's made some progress the last two games on defense. Uh, kept Wisconsin's run game in check. Generated some big, timely turnovers in that game. Last week, despite the result, uh, 29-7 loss at Michigan, their defense, you know, took a Michigan team that was averaging, what, 50 or 45 points per game, made them settle for five field goals, really only gave up one touchdown. The last one was thanks to a snap that went over a guy's head at the five-yard line. Uh, so the defense had made strides, but... The problem with that is the reason the defense had made that those strides is guys came back from injury, so then State could move some players back to their natural positions. Now that's all out the window. With eight suspensions and four of them being guys who either started or played significantly, including Jacoby Winman and Angelo Gross, and even Zion Young, who's a true freshman and started last week at defensive end, that's probably out the window. I'm guessing State won't be able to play that 4-3 as much, which they would really like to do against Illinois, given how they play. So... Uh, I guess what I'm getting at, Tim, is isn't this? Does this feel to you like it's shaping up the same way as the recipe Minnesota had with a ton of success against Michigan State? Well, I think motivation is a huge factor in the game today, and going in, one would think that clearly favors Illinois. I thought what was interesting in Michigan State's defense last week was not only did it hang in there, but it had to play 40 minutes on the field because the time of possession Michigan had was 2-1, to 40-20. Now, if that's the same issue today because Illinois likes to ball control it, I'm not sure Michigan State's got going to see a better running back today than it saw last week because I like Blake Corum. I like him. But this Chase Young of Illinois has had two phenomenal years. But he plays for Illinois. So nobody nationally knows the guy, but he's he's the real deal. At least he has been thus far, and I think they're absolutely going to try to run him today the way Michigan ran Blake Corum last week. And look, Corum still ran for 177 yards. Michigan's offense was on the field for 40 minutes, so even though they didn't score at will, uh, but they control. They you know they state's offense was only on the field for 20 minutes, and son of a gun, they scored all the seven points. With that kind of time on, and I think that's a huge factor again today too. The number one factor to me is motivation, <clears throat> motivation and home stadium. That to me are the two biggest factors, and neither one favors state. You mentioned time of possession. Illinois number two in the nation in time of possession, averaging nearly thirty-six minutes per game. The only team better is Air Force, who runs an ancient offense. Michigan State second worst in the nation at twenty-four and a half minutes per game. 
fatal recipe for state, as you alluded to. And honestly, this has been a problem for a long time. Actually, this has been a problem under Tucker. Like, the offense does not sustain drives. Even last year's, it was a quick strike offense. That defense is not good enough, and it's on the field too much. It really exposes them. Well, they don't run the ball, so they don't run the clock. So if you don't run the clock, your time of possession isn't going to be very great. I mean, now... I'm anxious to see, I mean, when I look at the numbers on Illinois' defense, what they are second or first in the nation in points scored yes. against, and they're number one in the nation in yards given up, which is 224, something like that. Well, I mean, <laughs> I would think from Illinois, the matchup's good coming in. Other than the fact that there are so many surprises in these games in college football, uh, you know, I mean, so... I mean, that's why they play, and I don't think State's going down to lose, but I think the dynamic for this one is dramatically different from what it was going in last Saturday, because I think there was an element of people that still thought, you know, State's going to play their ever-loving brand, and I thought they played hard. Yeah, I did. I think they played hard, but they got beat by a better team, and they were on a road, and it just didn't set up for them. Isn't there a chance for that today, though? Because with everything that's happened from the uh, after the game, shenaniganery last week with the post-game stuff, the stuff in the tunnel. Isn't there a chance that that has a circling the wagons effect? It could, but I I mean, I don't... To me, the natural sense for an athlete at this level in this situation at Michigan State is they've lost to their rival. They got eight guys that are out for all this. They're down. They haven't had the year they want. They know they're another big underdog today. I mean, they'll go play, but I don't think you play with the confidence. And, you know, let's face it, I mean, even starting with a quarterback, how confident is he today that he's going to be able to lead his team to a legitimate win on the road? The other thing is, is Illinois, I mean, they're playing for something. I mean, they're ranked in the top 15 in the AP poll. They've never been to the Big Ten championship game, and they're not clinched there yet. They still have a very arduous game at Michigan coming up in two weeks. And don't they play Purdue yet? They have Purdue next week at home uh, before they play Northwestern to end it. So, you know, I mean, winning today, I mean, you know, they got to look at Michigan State and say, we're never going to get them in a better situation going into the game than what we've got today. They got eight defensive players out. They've had an awful year by their standards. They've lost five of their last six. They can't score. They got seven points last week. They got seven against Minnesota in the last 20 seconds. They only scored, what, two touchdowns against... I mean, you can go ahead and add it all up, and and now you know why Illinois, I guess, is a 16-point favorite, right? 17-point. 17. We're adding a point to it. I've got a killer stat for you. Listen to this. So um, we know, you know, we talked about this last week, and now the number is states beaten Michigan 10 of the last 15 years. Of the five, they didn't. What do you think, rec- what do you think you have him, or excuse me, what do you think Michigan State's record is in those, the games following the five Michigan losses in the last decade and a half? After the losses, off the top of my head, I don't know. Got a guess? Either of you? Off the losses, 0 and 5. I would guess a, a losing record. How about you, Brock? Hmm. Uh, it used to be that way before Mark D'Antonio got there. He always did a very good job of getting his team up after whether they beat Michigan or whether they lost to Michigan. It just seemed that way because in the old days it used to be uh, we lost to Michigan, our season's over, we lost to our arch rivals, our season's over, let's just you know forget the rest of the season. That was also a criticism that even if they won the game, they would. Exactly, yeah. because they were so high after beating their arch rival, they were just like, oh, we forgot there's the rest of the season. But you to can play. make that argument for Michigan, too. Well, Michigan. hang on. To listen, a degree. Listen yeah. to this number. 
of the five games the last 15 years following a loss to Michigan. Four wins, one loss. Yeah. Part of that would depend on when they played them and then who they played, obviously, after. True. Well, that's yep. funny you should say that because the one loss was at Illinois in 2016. Oh, wow. wow. Now that's why I'm paid the big bucks. Wow. Hell of a stat by that's me. That's scary. But this Illinois team, to me, is dramatically different than what the Illinois team. <laughs> in fact, well, the last yeah. two that beat Michigan State. I mean, though, and the game in Champaign that they won, uh, the first of those two, was, uh, was one of the worst games for both of them. I mean, I just couldn't believe how bad both of them were. Didn't Damian Terry start something? For State that I think day? he did, yeah. It, it, it's a vague nightmare uh, for how, <laughs> because, you know, it was an extremely winnable game game that they simply didn't win against a bad team. And Illinois was a bad team a couple of years ago. Well, now, you know, they're a very veteran team. Uh, the quarterback, for me, to me, for them has made... DeVito, yeah. He, he's made a lot of improvement. He Syracuse got, transfer. He got hurt in the middle of the year, but came back. And, you know, and they they don't have him flinging it all over the place. They want this Chase Brown to chase the defense down the field. I mean, they... they you know, and I was looking... <clears throat> guys, <clears throat> excuse me, I was looking at his stats... 1,208 yards, that's more than what Blake Corum's got at Michigan. Yeah, and, we've, and we've talked about how great Blake Corum's been this year, and he has. Well, but this guy's, Chase Brown is the nation's leading rusher. He's yep. the nation's leading rusher. Yeah. Second in yards per carry, and he's doing it with, let's be honest, less than half the talent Blake Corum has in front of him, no right? No question. Uh, no so he's, their he's offensive been, line's very, very good. But it's that, and that's the thing. It's not super talented, and that's probably what's most frustrating about this matchup from Michigan State's perspective. Last week is one thing. You go up against a team that has more talent than you at virtually every position. State's a more talented team here. They are. That's measurable. We Definable. You we mean know against it. Illinois? Yes. All right, I'll argue that. You disagree? You mean you, you're saying State's got more talent than Illinois? Yes. No, I'll disagree with that. <laughs> Where? I mean, running back, but where? Like where else? Uh, almost every other position. <laughs> what? Well, I'll take all eleven of Illinois' defensive players. Can you name one? No, I exactly. Don't but, <laughs> exactly. But, that doesn't mean they're not. But good. I will go on the other side. Name me really standout players for Michigan State that are going to play today. That are yeah. That, that's the thing. Yeah. That's you know. that's the thing. And by the way, I'm not trying to say that the state's loaded. On uh, defense with talent, of course not. But that brings me to another. And maybe this isn't the well, right. Eight, eight point well, nine points. Well, then a does game. that go to coaching? Yes, yeah. absolutely it does. And yeah. it has something to do also, like, you're, I know you're going to buy into this. This is your line, Tim. It has something to do with the schedules you play. Oh, there's no question. And, and that's, let's, that's where State maybe gets a, a break today a little bit because Illinois' schedule. I mean, look, look at all the different teams that have had good years, but you look at the schedule they've played and you say, my golly, and I've seen Illinois. I mean, I watched them play Chattanooga. I saw them play Wyoming. I unfortunately watched them play Iowa. I saw them play Iowa. Oh, that was awful. Nine to six. That was awful. But you know what? You got to win it, though. Yep. I mean, one way or the other, you got to win it. They'll take nine to six today. Sure. Yes, they will. Oh, especially the, in this weather. Who's what's their what's their signature win? And I'm not saying that in a no, critical way. I think way. I'm the just signature. Asking. Well, getting there, Wisconsin's there's, coach there's, fired, there's two right? Of them. They, well, they blew them out on the road, thirty-four to ten. Yeah, they beat Minnesota by two touchdowns at home. Now Minnesota's quarterback, I don't think played in that game. Right. That's after Minnesota essentially won by five touchdowns here. Yes. If you take out the last TD with twenty-seven seconds to go. Yeah. So to me, those are the two signature wins that you know. Well, and I, I give them credit for Nebraska on the road, too. You know, Nebraska's trying to save that coach. There's 85,000 people there. They're loyal to a fault. You still got to go in there, and you still got to go on the road, and you got to go in a big stadium, and blah, blah, blah. And, and they won decisively. I mean, they won decisively in that game. So, you know, it's not like they're just kind of hanging on with some 
near, near you know some some lucky win. I mean, they pretty much dominated some of these teams in the Big Ten that they've played, and they dominated Wyoming. They dominated Chattanooga. But to your point. The other question to me is the talent they'll see from Michigan State today, where does that rate with the eight teams they've played thus far? And I don't know that. Well, on offense, it's probably their their best test in terms of uh, a passing attack. But the problem is, you know, State's got receivers galore. We've seen that. Michigan had trouble with Keon Coleman for at least a drive before State forgot that he was out there dominating one-on-one. <laughs> but um, probably the best test they've faced vertically on offense. But we we also should give them credit because they are about one inch, Illinois is, we should give them credit because they're one inch away from being 8-0. Yes, they are. And you could and argue I... they ought to be. Some people think that that you know, touchdown that wasn't the Calvin Johnson rule against Indiana back in week, it was their second game, but it was week one, should have counted. And if it does, this is an 8 no team that's probably, what, like top 10? Well, yes. they're awfully close. And I saw that game, and it was a game where both of them made a number of mistakes. But to your point, that was in the, what, Labor Day weekend. Yep. It was at night at Indiana, so Indiana still thinks it can play. And the game went back and forth. And if you just take out one or two Illinois mistakes, yeah, they get out of there with a win. So at the time, I thought, well, you know, these are two lousy Big Ten teams right here. Yep. This is where everybody thought they're no good, and they're no good. Even though Illinois had beat Wyoming 38 to 6 to open. I thought, well, you know, it's Wyoming. What do you expect? But since then, they've I think they have improved. And I think I think more than likely their defense is probably more legit than their offense. Agreed. And I think this will be a really really good defense um, that'll rank among the best states played, right? They're just solid. I mean, They're fundamental. Sooner or later, Michigan State's got to run the ball better than what it has. And whether that's this year, next year, two years, whenever, until or and, and I mean, last year you get, you know, there's no Kenneth Walker, and it shows. It absolutely mm-hmm. shows. Oh, it's, it's glaring. It's glaring. See it. I mean, they couldn't run it against Michigan. If you can't run it, you're asking Thorne to do something that's one-dimensional and occasionally he hit a couple passes against yeah. Michigan, but they scored one touchdown early in the game, and that was it for the night. And, and well, let me about- ask you, though, when's the last time Michigan State did run the ball effectively? Sands, Kenneth Walker. I'll tell you, it was 2015. Seriously, it was that long ago. You know what else that was the last year for for MSU? A good offensive line. That's the issue. Well, well Elijah Collins ran for 1,000 yards in his freshman year in 2019. That's true, but he rolled up a lot of it in the non-conference, right? Yeah. And then when they went up against the big boys, it, it didn't yeah, work out. T- to a degree. D- and the I, offensive line has been non-existent yeah. for this program I for a decade. I would they'd be up against a huge challenge today. They are. Absolutely they yeah. are. I would, and the, uh, you know, that's that's got to be a big challenge. We'll, we'll end this segment with this because on the other side we'll bring on Chris Solari, the MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. We'll get a ground report on the weather from Champaign-Urbana and also talk more Tunnelgate fallout, see what the latest is there. He's the one that caused the problems in the tunnel. Uh, he was literally in the middle of it. Yeah, no, I mean, he was oh, yeah. bouncing off the walls with his phone. Yeah, and if he, you saw yeah, if you saw the Matt Charbonneau video, which just about everybody has that's listening to this, uh, you could see in the lower right corner there was Solari right there because I asked him the next day. I said, "Chris, is that you?" Because I texted smashed him the next against day, the wall, and he no. said, "Yep, that was me smashed against the wall." Maybe, so, maybe he was talking trash. <laughs> to, I, I doubt he that. was talking I mean, trash was. to Charbonneau. It was yeah. a news versus freep thing. Yeah. All right, last thing before we go to break. You know, we, we just hit on it. State can't run the ball. They haven't been able to in damn near a decade. Offensive line hasn't been good. Hasn't been able to impose its will since the playoff year. Obviously, an issue there. We know we knew coming into this year 
that the defense was a serious issue. It was last year. We hoped and I guess kind of expected it to be not as bad, but maybe still not good. Well, it's worse. You could argue why. Thing is, we knew there were problems there, right? But what we thought we could control for was relying on MSU to at least score some points on offense because they've got dudes. There are players on offense, you know, particularly at receiver. They've got two tight ends who appear to be massive mismatches, specifically Malik Carr. And Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, says that the MVP of his scheme is the tight end, and yet they don't throw to them. My point is, with all the guys they have on offense, you know, they have talent there. They don't have that on defense. And yet this offense has maybe been a bigger disappointment than the defense, all things considered. What I'm getting at, are is the fan base sure it's got the crosshairs on the correct coordinator? Is Scotty Hazleton the one that has most disappointed this year? Mm. That's something we need to talk about as the season starts to wind down, but also food for thought, and it wouldn't be fair for me to bring up to not let you weigh in. So it looks like the hamster's running in the wheels, Tim. What do you got? I just think at the end of the year, we had comp on the other day, and I said, would you be surprised if there were coaching changes at the end of the year? And what he say, Brock? He said he wouldn't be surprised. He wouldn't be surprised. He didn't know. He didn't speculate as to who, but he said there's a good. He said there's a possibility there could be some coaching. You know, I'm changes. not in on all those meetings, and I'm not in on the background and all that. For me to so for me to sit here as an expert and say change this guy, that guy, the next guy, I don't know. The other what I see is you need better players. That's yeah, what I do. But see. I'm not asking you who should be fired. I'm saying. Is the fan base because the fan base decided I, I in week it, three know, that Hazelton Huge always asked me that question about the fan base, and I say define the fan base. I mean, are we talking seventy five thousand in the stadium? Are we talking more than a million or two million on the TV? Are we talking students? Are we talking alums? Are we talking experts? Are we talking gamblers? Who are we talking as the fan base? And toward that end, I think there are a million different opinions out there, other than the fact that one thing they have all united is they're disappointed with the way the season's played out. We Will you play ball with me, damn it? The point <laughs> I'm getting at is, however you want to define it, the vocal portion of the fan base that is always active in the narrative field. I think they're more disappointed with a head coach. But I agree, and it should be that way because the buck stops there, right? But I'm asking you, they've been zeroed in on Hazleton since week three. That's been the story for the season. He's got to go. This defense isn't good enough, despite what you and I have talked about off and on. He's running the defense. Tucker wants him to. But is that the guy? Is he more culpable for this year than the offensive coordinator? Because look how bad the offense has been, despite having more to work with than the defense. You're assuming I'm an expert when you ask me that question. You're on the tailgate show. Ask Brock if I'm an expert. You don't want to answer that? <laughs> well, he ends. It's political season. He's not affirmative. <laughs> I, All right. I think there's a lot of opinions that are across the board, other than the one collective agreement is they're disappointed with the players, the head coach, the coordinators, the cheerleaders, the officials, the breaks. The are schedule. you running for something on Tuesday? You no. will not answer the question. I, 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 what I, is going on? I, because I don't. I can't define a fan base as a singular notion. That's All right. a plural. Wow. But okay. fight with him. He'll argue with you. He's, he's more than willing to argue I'll with you. I'll come back and ask you Wednesday morning. Ask Solari. He'll give you. He'll tell you anything you want to know. Now that's why you're the dean. That's that's a, a that is a segue. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, Chris Solari, MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press on the ground in Champaign. 
Well, we'll see how bad the weather is there right now and pick his brain on the matchup and, of course, get the latest fallout from Tunnelgate because this thing just won't end. That's coming up in just a few minutes here on the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show live from the Price Right RV Studios on 1240 WJIM Lansing's Big Talker and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Another travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Next, the Mel Tucker Show is back for another season on Lansing's Big Talker 1240 WJIM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Get up close and personal with the head coach of Michigan State football every Thursday night. Be there in person or just call in and ask the questions you want answered. The Mel Tucker Show on 1240 WJIM. Brought to you by Ameriprise Financial, Dark Bank, Doubting Industries, and Incorporated. Chupin and Sons Incorporated. Blue Moon Belgian White. The Mel Tucker Show on 1240 WJIM. It's time for another game day travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Driven by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. In Champaign, Illinois today for the big Michigan State Illinois game. Mostly cloudy skies. Temperatures will be falling to about 50 degrees by 4 o'clock. Windy. Southwest winds 25 to 30 miles an hour, gusts as high as 55 miles an hour. There is a wind advisory uh, in effect uh, in Champaign, Illinois. Whether that has an effect on the game or not, who the heck knows? But that's uh, what the temperature is going to be. Mostly cloudy. Temperature will be falling to about 50 degrees once we get into the game. Here in East Lansing, there is a wind advisory until 8 o'clock tonight. Um, mostly cloudy, showers, temperature steady in the mid-60s. Winds out of the south, 20 to 25 miles an hour, gusts as high as 50 miles an hour. Your weather update is brought to you by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. This is the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Today's broadcast is brought to you by White Law PLLC, Shaheen Chevrolet, Price Right Auto and RV, Blue Moon Belgian White. Now, now let's talk to the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout, and offensive-minded host, Beanie Howell, from the Price Right Auto and RV Studios. Welcome back to the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show here on 1240 WJIM, Lansing's Big Talker, and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ, live from the Price Right RV Studio, and also brought to you by Blue Moon Belgian White, Dart Bank Mortgage, Joe Sambear, Ameriprise Financial, Craig Stiles, DBI, We Do Office, High Caliber Carding and Entertainment, The Student Bookstore, The Nuthouse, and Gazelle Wealth Management. We're happy to have on the line now with us the MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. He's Chris Solari, live from Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. How are you doing today, Chris? Somewhere near Champaign-Urbana, let's put it that way. It is, uh, as the kids say, as the weathermen say, the wind will be a factor today. And it is a factor on my drive right now. Well, well, tell us more, because the forecast is saying, like, sustained winds, uh, 25, maybe to 40, within gusts up to 50. Is that what you're experiencing as you drive into campus? Yes. Uh, thankfully, uh, I got an SUV upgrade for my rental car. So <laughs> it is, it's pushing all over the place. Uh, I saw at least one or two semis that have been off the road. So 
the, the skies out to the west don't exactly look promising either. They're a little dark clouds. So I would assume that it's going to not be a great day to punt and probably not a great day to pass. And, you know, that kind of plays into Illinois' blueprint because they love to run the ball and control the clock. For sure. Um, before we talk more about the matchup, it just seems like it won't end. We got a we got a touch on Tunnelgate. Chris Solari with us on the line, a free press beat writer covering MSU. He was literally in the middle of what happened, at least the first incident in the tunnel last week. Um, he's written well, about it. I don't know if it was the first. We don't know if it was the first incident or a continuation of a different incident. Okay, good reporting so right there. You can read his uh, coverage of that at Freep.com. It was in the paper, too. He wrote a firsthand account. I'm not going to ask you to rehash that, but we know, um, you know, I guess with what happened there earlier in the week, we get ultimately eight total suspensions. Um, several of those are significant contributors on defense, including starter, uh, starting linebacker Jacoby Women, Angelo Gross, who started at nickel, Zion Young, who played a lot at defensive end as a true freshman even last week. So some serious contributors out and then the latest development let's touch on this chris so uh yesterday some anonymous person on twitter um, none of us know was circulating something that malik carr the tight end for msu was jumped when he was trying to get on the team bus after the game uh people were speculating if that's true why haven't we heard from state or malik carr on that then malik carr's mom tweets out that it's true that when malik was getting on the bus after all of that happened last week in Ann Arbor, as he's getting on the bus, a member of Jamon Green, one of the aggrieved Michigan players, a member of his family, and another uh, Michigan uh, anonymous, unnamed student-athlete attempted to fight him. Uh, so that's where we are with it. What's the latest fallout? Is there anything else? Or are we finally done with this story, you think? Yeah, I had actually heard that on Sunday, um, that there was, it, it, it's hard to call it an altercation because from what I heard from the source that I know that saw it, didn't actually see Malik Carr get jumped, uh, but did know that there was something that happened, you know, where they, the, the family member of Jamon Green tried to get to him. Um, I also heard that Jamon Green's family member Hop, uh, was escorted out of the stadium previously and, and hopped a security barricade to get back inside, so it kind of goes further to what we were talking about earlier last week about you can't have security as window dressing, which I think is exactly what we saw in the incident, that the, you know, the fact that the two players were in the tunnel with the Michigan State team, and then everything that transpired within the tunnel itself, um, you know, it's a failure on, a lot, on, on every end, from the tunnel all the way back to the back gate, um, but there was it wasn't like the bus was right up against the, the gate, uh, so I, I think it's you know, I saw that, you know, and I was traveling yesterday, so I didn't get to jump in too much on this. But um, I saw that uh, Jamon Green's attorney uh, had mentioned something about it being his brother uh, that, that was involved in it um, as the anonymous student athlete. And I know his brother, if you watch the video from ABC, uh, after he was told of what happened, tried to get into the Michigan State locker room, was restrained there. Um, you know, and, and then from what I understood from the source that I know that saw it, uh, that there was, they, they did not see the, the physical altercation between uh, whoever it was with Malik Carr, um, but they also said that police were in the middle and restraining it. So, you know, it, uh, this is something that you can, re you can sit there and, and rely on the parties and just say yes or no, but 
it ultimately it's up to the police report to include this on top of everything else, even if it's a sentence. You know, Mel Tucker talked about it. He said there are incidents that, that are being investigated. So I would assume this is one of them. For sure. Um, so let's talk about it as it pertains to the game, because again, you know, eight guys suspended in it. I would, I, by my count, at least half of them, four of them, uh, played and contributed significantly, particularly on defense for Michigan State. The implications of that today, and I guess the rest of the season. What do you think it is? Well, I, I guess it, you know it depends on how long these suspensions last. I mean, we, we're probably not going to know at least until a police report. From what I understand, the Big Ten is also hamstrung in what they can do right now, both from the, the criminal investigation that's going on and then with the civil situation uh, with Jamon Green hiring an attorney. So that's kind of why you haven't heard Big Ten weigh in on it yet. But, you know, I give – and I, this is, I think, the, the big thing that I, I've heard people, you know, on both sides saying that Michigan State they, – a really good thing by suspending these guys, and I agree with that. But I've also heard some people say that they were acquiescing in some ways to to the, their rival. But the reality is you've got a former police officer running the athletic department at Michigan State. He understands how criminal investigations work and operate. So I think that's where, where you look at the action that was taken. Uh, I, I give a lot of credit to Alan Haller as much as Mel Tucker uh, for that. But from a football standpoint, I mean, you lose three starters. Zion Young had blossomed into a defensive end starter with all the injuries that, that they've had at that position without Petrosky, without Bogle. Um, you know, the, now you lose that. You lose the ability to have J- Jacoby Winman come and play down to help at, at that spot. And then you've also had Ben Van Summeren out for the Michigan game, so that's two linebackers now that are down. And then Angelo Gross. Um, you know, he 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 might have been replaced by Justin White, but he was involved in that situation and suspended too. So, I mean, it's not just the three starters, but it's it's some significant depth on those on that defense, and particularly the front seven that really needs to to, to try and stop the run today um, with the conditions, with Chase Brown, with the way that Illinois likes to run the clock. Um, you know, you lose Zion Young, you lose Brandon Wright, you lose Jacoby Winman. Um, that, that's a lot up front on top of the injuries. You know, maybe Petrovsky comes back, um, but, you know, what, at what percentage is he at as well? So just there's a lot of things conspiring against Michigan State right now from the injuries and the suspension. Talking with Chris Solari, MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Um, I, I don't know if you heard it this week, but Tim talked to Lynn Henning a uh, longtime columnist for the Detroit News and has covered, you know, Michigan State and virtually everything in the state for as long as Tim. And uh, I wonder what you take, uh, what you think of his take. You know, his take was what happened in the tunnel was more akin to a fight on the field than any kind of jumping or, or anything that deserves a criminal investigation. And his bigger takeaway was that that tunnel is a serious liability now and that someone has to get involved if Michigan won't, like the Big Ten, to uh, have some sort of regulation as to who can be there and when. Now, since you were literally in the middle of it, uh, what's your assessment of that? Like, th- does this need intervention from a, an authority, a higher authority, to regulate that tunnel? Well, first, I think you start with the two incidents that we saw. Um, you know, the one that I saw um, is was akin to every football fight I've ever seen on a field, um, except one player didn't have their helmet on. Um, 
the Michigan player who went into the tunnel uh, ahead of his team with his helmet in his hand into the Michigan State team. Uh, that was McMurrow's. Um, that I've seen that fight on football fields before many times. Um, the difference, I think, and then, you know, we've even in the last few years seen helmet swinging. Um, you know, whatever precipitated that, uh, I've heard some rumors um, that, you know, I think I told you this. I mean, I've heard two rumors that one that, that Green started it with a punch and one that he swung his helmet. So it changes a lot depending on what ends up coming out of that, which may end up just being a he said, she said situation. But specifically that, um, you know, but we've seen that. We've seen helmets swung on the field, which isn't right, but, you know, we've seen it on the field. What makes this different is that you're bracketed by two cement concrete walls, right? I mean, there's no escape for whenever something like this happens. Um, that's, I think, the big problem. Um, you know, and yes, there, I think Lynn had talked about it. I mean, there are, there are two trigger, there are three trigger times that are a problem before kickoff, halftime, and at the end of the game. So security should be well aware and in place to prevent the teams from intermingling in those situations. That didn't happen. Um, then on top of that, there's, there's a couple different flashpoints. You know, I mean, you've got teams that are coming in from an emotional situation and you've got locker rooms that are, I'm talking like feet away from each other across the hallway looking at it. So for when, when Jamon Green's brother found that out and tried to go into the Michigan State locker room, if there weren't a crowd of people there, it wouldn't have taken much. Um, he was restrained by people, and one, I don't believe it was security that restrained him. So that's, I mean, that, that's problematic. So many different ways. I don't know what the, the, the you know, the answer, to, at least to the, to the situation you saw with pe- people sneaking in from the other team into the other team leaving, you got to put the police right down at the bottom of that tunnel, right behind whichever team goes up first. That's got to happen. It's plain and simple. Whatever that takes, that needs to happen. Talking with Chris Solari, he covers MSU for the Detroit Free Press. A few more minutes here. All right, um, I'm sure you're ready to talk about actual football. So um, what I'm wondering is the fallout from that and the impact it's going to have on player availability, will that eliminate State's uh, ability to uh, deploy that new 4-3 alignment that has worked pretty well for it the last couple of weeks. The defense making huge strides uh, playing this 4-3 alignment against more ground-oriented teams, and they're going up against another one, a third straight such opponent tonight or this afternoon. Will they be able to play that, you think? Well, they played a decent amount of 4-2-5 in that Michigan game as well, so I think they were able to blend it. Um, but obviously, you know, you don't have Winman. Um, something, I mean, it depends on Van Summeren's availability. If Van Summeren's out, now you got basically Cal Halliday and Aaron Brule at linebacker with Carson Castile, who I don't believe has played a, a snap in meaningful minutes uh, for for the, the for the defense. He's been on some special teams units, and then uh, Sam Edwards, the walk-on from Williamston. Now, barring position changes, there's not a lot. Without, I mean, with Darius Snow out since the beginning of the season, that's limited in some ways that um, in the depth that they had is, is really being tested. I don't know how much they're going to be able to play it, but, you know, you could see a freshman getting in there that's maybe made some strides that we haven't seen yet. Um, you could see some, some one of the defensive backs moving into more of a, a linebacker role. Um, 
<laughs> the problem is, though, the, the logical candidate for that probably would have been Angelo Gross. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be maybe one of the probably the biggest tests that Scotty Hazleton has had. Um, and he's had a lot of them in, in the last three seasons. But, you know, when you have this limited of personnel uh, between the injuries and the suspensions, you know, it's it, they got to get a little creative to try and shut down a guy who, who's leading the nation 151 yards a game on the ground. Chris, this is Tim. I didn't see your score in the paper. What is your score in the paper and your rationale for making your prediction today? Oh, gosh. Now you're going to test me while I'm driving. <laughs> um, uh, give me a second, and I will figure that out. But I have somewhere in the 31 to 13 range. Um, you know, and, you know, with this weather, it might, might be a little lower scoring than that. So, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think today... This is uh, this is this is one of those games that really plays into Illinois' hands, and I think the problem that Michigan State's had in the last five weeks is they've given up a lot of yards. Talk about the run defense mm-hmm. being a strength, but I mean they've given up five straight hundred-yard rushers, and now they face the nation's top running back uh, in a depleted form on their defense. So, you know, I, I anticipate this to be similar in nature to the Minnesota game and kind of how the second half went with Michigan, just eating clock, run, running the ball on the ground, keeping the, keeping the clock going and, you know, punching it in at the end. That's the, and I think the difference between last week and this week, they were able to knock down some of those, those uh, deep drives that Michigan had and turn them into field goals. I'm not necessarily sure without Winman, without Gross, without Zion Young, uh, if they'll be able to do that this week, your pick in the paper. I just found it was twenty-eight to seven. Uh, basic, you know, same yeah, story. I, I had juggled that a little bit. I think the weather. I think when I when I saw there was going to be some weather, I ducked, I ducked the store down a little bit. All right, Way. Thanks for making time for us here on the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show. We'll do it again. Thanks, Chris. All right, be well, guys. It's Chris Solari, MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Yeah, I, I'm with him. It just seems like. It's it's going to be a lot like that Minnesota game. Some very long, plodding scoring drives. So it's going to be death by a thousand cuts kind of situation because they just won't be able to stop them on the ground. That's what I suspect will happen. And by the time we uh, look up, it could be a four-touchdown differential and just feel like it was a really boring game because they're just running the ball nonstop effectively. Although Minnesota was able to come out and throw it a little bit too, uh, much to state's surprise. So maybe Illinois is looking at that film and thinking that's where they Do you think uh, Northwestern can hang on and beat Ohio State today? (laughs) I don't. We'll talk about that on the other side. Maybe Ohio State will rally. We'll do do a whole top 25 uh, scoreboard catch-up as well as Big Ten action. Not in the top 25 going on right now. Catch up on that in just a couple minutes when we come back on the other side. And also, Tim will give you the defensive keys to today's game, MSU at Illinois. Coming up here at 3.30. You can hear it here on 1240 WJM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Get to more of that. Again, top 25 Big Ten scoreboard in just a few minutes when we come back from this break here on the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show. Back with more of the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show on 1240 WJIM and 94.9 MMQ in less than 60 seconds. It's time for another game day travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Driven by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. 
Yes, let's take a look at the weather in uh, Champaign, Illinois. There is a rain likely uh, right now. It's raining uh, right now, mostly cloudy, then uh, gradually becoming uh, mostly sunny by we get, by the time we get to game time. Temperatures will be falling throughout the day uh, to around 50 degrees uh, by 5 o'clock. Winds out of the southwest, 20 to, uh, 20 to 25 miles an hour, gusts as high as 50 miles an hour. There is a high wind warning in that area right now, but during game time, there will be a wind advisory. Right now, though, it's 63 degrees in uh, Champaign. Here in East Lansing, there's a wind advisory until 8 o'clock tonight. Mostly cloudy skies, showers, temperature steady, right around 65 degrees. Winds out of the south, 20 to 25 miles an hour, gusting as high as 50 miles an hour. It's 61 degrees right now in EL. Your weather update is brought to you by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. This is the White Law PLLC Tellgate Show on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIL and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Today's broadcast is brought to you by White Law PLLC, Shaheen Chevrolet, Price Wright Auto and RV, Blue Moon Belgian Wine. Now, let's talk to the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout, and offensive-minded host, Beanie Howell from the Price Wright Auto and RV Studios. And we're back. White Law PLLC Tailgate Show, 1240 WJIM, Lansing's Big Talker, and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ, live at the Price Right RV Studio, and also brought to you by Blue Moon Belgian White, Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac, MSU Healthcare Sports Medicine, Doubting Industries, Shoepan and Sons Recycling Industrial Services, Gravity Smokehouse, and MSU Federal Credit Union. Let's take a look around the nation at the top 25 action going on right now, the one that's perhaps most captivating, and it has certainly got all of Tim Stout's attention. Uh, we're at the end of the first quarter in Evanston and Northwestern ahead of Ohio State, 7 to nothing, and knocking on the door again. They're at the Ohio State 27. Really impressive, Tim, when you consider it's a road game for Northwestern in their own backyard. As everybody knows, you can't stop the catch. You can only hope to contain them. And Ohio State, <laughs> I saw the score that Northwestern, the guy ran like 15 yards on a, you know, and he just, they blocked. The weather's an issue there. And Ohio State, from what I've seen off the monitor, has struggled offensively in the weather. But nonetheless, it's Northwestern 7, Ohio State nothing, and it looks like a Northwestern road game at Ryan Field because they actually have people in the end zones despite the weather, and of course they're all wearing red. As is tradition. You know, uh, every Big Big Ten like uh, opponent with any kind of fan base comes in there and takes over. It's got to be hard to play home games for Northwestern. Is Michigan rooting for Northwestern or Ohio State? Or do they want Ohio State eleven and zero and be a Michigan underdog going to Columbus? I think it's a it's a victory either way. Is that fair to say? Michigan fans mm. would feel good about it either way. Maybe I it doesn't know. really change anything for them. Like if they win all their games, they're in. Right? Well, ask Wally Wolverine in there. What does he want? Does he well, want North Ohio State to have a loss today? It, or- it doesn't really affect anything because if Ohio State right. beats Michigan, they're still going to go to the Big Ten title game. Right, and I think but Michigan get- fans would be worried about like stirring up the hornet's nest a little bit. If, well, if they're they, already going to run into that anyway. It may not true. make any difference because Ohio State remembers what happened last year in bad weather. Remember, it snowed 
uh, in Ann Arbor that day. Let's move on to the big tw- – or, or did you have more on that, Tim? Well, no, I'm Northwestern's in field goal territory right now right. anyway, so if they don't get a touchdown in here, and if, I, I don't know where the wind is there, but they are in field goal. They're on the Ohio State 23-yard line. Third and six. We'll keep tabs on that. Moving to the Big 12 and also staying in the top 10, the team that I think is most jobbed in the initial college football playoff rankings, if you care about that, and really we shouldn't. It's an exercise in futility. The, none of these rankings matter until the last one. This is all a marketing ploy to get us to talk about it. And look, it's working hook, line, and sinker. You're, you're sounding like Tim. That's but exactly anyway, right. The number seven Texas Christian Horned Frogs locked up at 10. They're playing at home against Texas Tech. It is just underway the second quarter, it looks like. Uh, here's why I'm with Texas Christian. It's 10 10, by the way. What did I say? You didn't say the score. Oh, sorry. It's 10-10. I thought I said locked up at 10. But they're a great fourth-quarter team and have they been are. all year. They oh, win yes. all their games in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Which should yep. matter for something. But listen, if, if we're if we're going to be serious about these rankings and, and what the CFP committee is supposed to base it on, which they list on their website, the criteria they say they look at, I don't see how TCU is anything lower than third or where they should be because they check every single box and they're 4 and 0 against the AP top 25. Teams ahead of them like Ohio State and Michigan are only 1 and 0 each against the AP top 25. That should count for something. Brock and I are much simpler. If you're a Power 5 team and you're undefeated, you're in. Simple as that. If there are five Power 5 teams, then one obviously gets left out. If you got four undefeated teams which you won't have from each of the Power 5s they're in. Otherwise, the criticism of that system would be through the roof, beyond what it already is now. I like what Mike DeCourcy said this week after the initial rankings Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. He said, until there's automatic qualifiers for winning your conference, it is not a playoff, it's an invitational. Yeah, well, that's true. He's right. He's totally right. Agree. He's and, but I don't think he's the only one that thought of that. I We're mean, getting it, to that it, point, though, right? That's, well, that's why, you have a, I mean, that's why you have a committee. And to your point, to me, all of those weekly ranking things, and my mother can figure it out. And the top seven there will all be in because or out because they play their way in with the teams they have coming. See up. Georgia, yeah, they play each other. See you don't Georgia need to and Tennessee, you, yeah. right? Uh, the the winner will probably play Alabama. Ohio State and Michigan are going to play. That'll take care of that. Yep. Also, yep. for Michigan fans, who, uh, the Michigan fans were super upset about Clemson being ahead of them, and I I'm not, I can under- take care of itself. Exactly. I could understand why, because Clemson has not looked impressive. Four of their seven wins are by you know a combined 28 points. I get it. But also, for the Michigan fan, a couple of things. One, play someone with a pulse in the non-conference. That's certainly what's hurting them in the rankings. No question, and it should get criticized. And number two, don't worry about it. If Clemson's as big of a fraud as you say they are, well, I don't That's going to that. get taken care of tonight in South Bend. You know, I, th- I think there's some that say they're not worthy of their record with the schedule they've played, but they can prove it either side moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and folks, if Michigan has the zero in the loss column, if they are 13-0 and in Big Ten champions, they are going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. So just keep winning. But my question is, as I've said to him all week, what I want to know if Michigan loses a close game to Ohio State and finishes 11-1, and can Michigan still get in? I think that would depend on what happens in front of them, No right? question. Fair. So, possible. I think it's more likely to get two SEC teams in, and there's precedence for that. Yes. But and even ca- if they do, if everybody else around them's got one loss, then they're in the discussion. Then they're well, then, in the invitational stage. Then, then they're Mich- in the argument stage. Then Michigan's non-conference is really going to come back to haunt them. Yes. If, if you're in that boat. Yes. But, um, again, does, an know, 11, does a 12-1 and Oregon team Pac-12 champ get in? I don't know about that. I think they're probably more behind the eight ball than anyone else, even the Big 12, because of the you know lack of writers watching 
them as much because of the time difference. Well, and the one time they saw them nationally, they got destroyed by uh, exactly. Georgia. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, uh, also, but, but Oregon's played great since then. But also, look what happened every time the Pac-12 gets into the playoff. They get chased out eventually by an SEC team, and it's ugly. So that goes against them, too. Should it? No. That's not what they're supposed to do. But again, I'm, I'm more hung up on TCU because if – look at TCU. 8-0, four wins against the AP Top 25. If their name was Oklahoma, do you think they would be number 7? In the college football playoff rankings? Probably not. I think they would be probably number three, maybe even number two. Probably. I don't know, but all you guys gripe about how Iowa can't score and they're <laughs> blowing out Purdue at Lafayette 14 to nothing, so there's that. And then That is a blowout. You know, they're, they're winning 14 to nothing. <laughs> Purdue's a second-half team, though, Tim. They better be. And Wisconsin is ahead of Maryland 14 to nothing, and that's in Madison. And the weather, well, I don't know what the weather's like at Purdue, but at Wisconsin, it's bad, too. Let's keep moving along in the top 25 ACC country, where number 17, North Carolina, trails at Virginia 7-3 to halfway through the second quarter. Moving on, number 19, Tulane. Up 10-3 to at Tulsa in the second quarter. Now, that's the kind of game Tim Stout's interested in. I refuse to say that Tulane is a top-20 team. Did you? Uh, they're in position to get that New Year's Six uh, bowl bid right now. I, I'm just for the non-power five. My stereotype prejudice and old school. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Well, about how would it, you Tim? handle them in the playoff then? Once it expands, that wouldn't be handled. They'd be playing in the Motor City Bowl <laughs> against Ball State. What about like Cincinnati <laughs> last year? I, no, like, Cincinnati belonged they got last killed. year. They got crushed. They kept that game closer than I thought. That Remember, it was only like three touchdowns late in the fourth quarter. Well, I mean, this is where the invitational issues come <laughs> up because everybody has their own personal opinion. I go by the eyeball test. In my, if I was on that committee, I'd throw all those guys' stats out, and I'd just say, that team right there is one of the best four. That team isn't. That team is. Well, here's the thing. That's what they do. They They're, say that. No, no. They say they go by the criteria, but they do what you're doing. You scumbag. Well, I mean, what are, you, are you looking for the best resume? Or are you looking for the eyeball test of what you think when you watch football, these are the four best teams, or that team is They're not so, one of the four best? They say that what they are obligated to do by the statute, and what they do do, they say, and, which isn't true, is go by the resume. So, therefore, how do you analyze Oregon? If Oregon finishes undefeated with a 49-3 to loss, do you go by Oregon in the first game of the year or the last game of the year? You can, here's what I would do. I would consider it all and think, hmm, that was our first game of the season playing at Georgia, essentially, in Atlanta in a banner game, hanging a banner situation. Also, it was the first game for a new quarterback, first game for a new coach for under a Knicks, new offense. Yeah. By the way, the, the new coach was Georgia's defensive coordinator. You know, oh, oh Dan Lanning. Yeah, yeah you, you have to give them credit for improving. By the way, I don't think they're bad. They've, no. they've rolled well, everyone they've played. I, what I've argued with him for years is college football should take the, the mid-majors and give them their own national championship, just like the high school. In, in other do. words, create a fourth division, because there's already uh, a, <laughs> one double-A right now. Or I mean, FCS. Like, like everybody in Ioni says, they're the same seven teams play for it every year. All right, so that means the mid. You think the Mac's gonna? You think the Mac has a chance to play in the Final Four? Come on, I don't. But here's what I would do. That's what I think the committee should do. The Power Five winners should be automatic qualifiers, and I think we're eventually going to get to that stage. I, I don't know when how it long gets, it'll take. If, if slash when it gets to twelve, yeah, I think whether we'll, it's twenty twenty six or happen if it gets to twelve, right? I think it's coming. The committee can figure out the rest. They can figure out. The at-larges from the Power Five, and then those guys, you know, the mid-majors. Let them figure that out. We, but the problem with college football throughout history, and this is the issue. College football's history 
is uh, lends itself to writers deciding things in editorial and in editors rooms and in newsrooms, right? Deciding things on paper. I thought the point was to play the damn games. Like basketball figured this out 40 years ago. But see, I agree with the theory that if you go to 12 and you seed these teams, do you think that uh, 9, 10, 11, and 12, those seeds are going to win one game? Especially if they go on the road in the first round. Yes, I Every think, one of them is going to get beat. I think we will see it, though. Just the same way we eventually saw a 16 beat a 1 in the NCAA I mean, tournament. Don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily have the answers to all this thing. I do hope the Bulls... Seems like it. you do, Tim. I, I, well, I think the system, the currently the way it is, probably identifies the national champion as well. And I think when you had the BCS with the top two, generally speaking, the two best teams played for the title. Generally speaking. And that kept the New Year's Six Bowl games as something that mattered. Now you lose your way into the Rose Bowl instead of winning your way into the Rose Bowl. The consolation prize for the Ohio State-Michigan loser likely will yes. be going to the Rose Bowl. Um, Likely. That depends, though, right? It could be the loser of whoever is sacrificed to Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, depending. What Illinois. if it's Illinois? Could yeah. be Illinois. Yeah, I, I don't know. But the point is, I thought we were supposed to let it be determined on the field. And I know that's not college football's legacy because for eons, it was decided by writers and in newsrooms. And yeah, coaches. And, and coaches, too. Right. What, what about the what about the result? You know, like well, that would take leadership from the NCAA to create an NCAA Division One football tournament because of, of, of the ninety sports that the NCAA uh, sponsors, there's only one that they don't sponsor a postseason tournament. But that's what the playoffs is. Division, that's we Division all agree that the current bowl system is completely out. You got nobody. Want, the players don't want to play. The, the top unless pl- it's a playoff. The top yeah. players don't want to play in the bowls. I think, though, if we get to a larger playoff, you solve issues of guys Probably. opting out of those games to protect their draft stock. I'd right. like to see it eventually get to 16. Me too. And I, it seems and I, natural. And, and we're going to get there eventually. But I just don't I mean, see how I mean, come. Well, I mean, hold people on. are talking about Michigan State going to bowl. They've had a terrible year. Why is that a big deal in the first it's place? It's a big deal to me because you get 20 more practices. That's why. That's it. 20 more practices. That's what it matters for a team like that. But think about it, man. Like... We're we're headed toward we're, we're hurtling toward a reality where we we could get college football to have a 16 team playoff, which we've been told for generations isn't feasible. And at the same time, they've done it at every other level of college football, just yeah, not at the top. That's my point. Yeah, it's about money. Yeah, but it's the, 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 the damn TV but networks, the mid majors don't have that. They don't have the Division One mid majors are not playing for the national championship. You can just but be practical. They're, they're not in college basketball either, no. and it still delivers excellent matchups. Uh, they never win it. They never. When's the last time a mid major? That's my won? point. Villanova and yeah. when they were a mid major, so why in the not 80s? give them their own football championship that matters? Because and I think a national champion. You would have to create another division. Because, like I said, for one, I think they would prefer to never win it and to have a shot at. Winning the real thing, but never winning it. Either create a fourth division or have them drop down to FCS. Anyway, Tim, why don't you deliver us the defensive keys before we get out for this hour? Are and you we going can to argue... argue over the defensive keys? <laughs> Depends on how to, out of touch you are with your takes. The one thing we won't argue is that the defensive keys for this afternoon's Michigan State-Illinois game are brought to you by Gazelle Wealth Management. Well... 
it's a little bit of an abstract thought here when you're missing eight defensive players, all of whom were on the travel roster to play on the road at Michigan. So all of those guys were taken on the road in case they were needed to play. They weren't just like they were the 115th players on the roster who dressed for a home game. They were on the travel roster. So how obviously Michigan State has been able to jury-rig a defensive group together, not only on defense, but special teams as well, and the depth chart, to me, obviously is a huge factor today. I think the weather's going to have to figure out a way to help Michigan State if its defense is going to play well. Can it get a takeaway? Can it get a break? Can it get a break from the weather? To me, the defensive keys are what are the intangibles that you have not seen so far because arguably two of your best defensive players who are starters are out. Uh, and, and, and look, you're going to obviously have to keep an eye on Chase Brown, the running back. They try to keep an eye on Blake Corum with all those guys playing, and he only hit them for 177 yards. It's a long shot, obviously, for the defense to play well enough to win today, but they're not on the field trying to lose. Whoever the 11 are out there, play as hard as you can, do what you're told, see if you can make plays, and don't take stupid penalties like Michigan State's offensive lineman did early in the game in Ann Arbor. The defensive keys, for whatever they're worth, have been brought to you by Gazelle Wealth Management. Gazelle takes a long-term view using prudent risk management. You can call Joe Gazelle today. He's at 336-7200 or visit Gazelle Wealth Management online at gazellewealth.com. That's G-A-Z-A-L-L Wealth. And I assume you can spell wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H dot com. Thanks for that, Tim. There we're about, you go. We're about to get out. Let me give you an update from Evanston. Northwestern failed to score and, in fact, punted, although they were on Ohio State's 30-something yard line. Ohio State got the ball three and out. They've had the ball five times the Buckeyes have. Four punts, one turnover on downs, three three and outs. Has that happened at all this Fire year? Ryan Day. <laughs> 7 and nothing Northwestern midway through the second quarter. We can continue to monitor that for you. We're back in a couple of minutes. Reset the talking points about MSU at Illinois today. And uh, after that, a little bit after that, it's Mad Dog's take on the game with David Mad Dog DeMarco. A ton more coming your way here today uh, for another hour. White Law PLLC Tailgate Show, live from the Price Right RV Studios on 1240 WJIM, Lansing's Big Talker and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM, Lansing, and Classic Rock 94.9 WMMQ, East Lansing, Town Square Media Station. As a- Another travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Next, the Mel Tucker Show is back for another season on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM, and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Get up close and personal with the head coach of Michigan State football every Thursday night. Be there in person or just call in and ask the questions you want answered. The Mel Tucker Show on 1240 WJIM. Brought to you by Ameriprise Financial, Dark Bank, Doubting Industries Incorporated, Chupin and Sons Incorporated, Blue Moon Belgian White. The Mel Tucker Show on 1240 WJIM. It's time for another game day travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Driven by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. Taking a look at your weather uh, once again, 64 degrees, overcast and windy in Champaign, Illinois. There is a wind advisory until 8 o'clock tonight, mostly cloudy skies, but it's gradually going to become sunny. Temperatures will be falling to about 50 degrees by the time we get to about halftime. The wind will be a factor. Winds out of the southwest 
20 to 30 miles an hour, gusting as high as 50 miles an hour. Right now, 64 degrees and overcast. Very windy in Champaign. Here in East Lansing, there's a wind advisory until 8 p.m. tonight. Showers possible, temperatures steady right in the mid-60s. Winds out of the south 20 to 25 miles an hour, gusting as high as 50 miles an hour. Right now, it's 61 degrees, mostly cloudy, rain, and wind. Your weather update is brought to you by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. This is the White Law PLLC Telgate Show on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM, Classic Rock, 94.9 MMQ, and special game day edition of The Game, 7.30 a.m. Today's broadcast is brought to you by White Law PLLC, Shaheen Chevrolet, Price Right Auto and RV, Blue Moon Belgian Wine. Now, let's talk to the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout, and offensive-minded host, Beanie Howell, from the Price Right Auto and RV studios welcome back white law pllc tailgate show here on 1240 wjim lansing's big talker and classic rock 94.9 mmq live from the price right rv studio taking you up to two o'clock when the spartan media network pregame coverage uh, takes over on both of these stations and they'll take you up to kickoff at 3 30 msu at illinois white law pllc tailgate show also brought to you by blue moon belgian white Dart Bank Mortgage, Joe Sambear. Ameriprise Financial, Craig Stiles. DBI, We Do Office. High Caliber Carding and Entertainment. The Student Bookstore. The Nuthouse. And Gazelle Wealth Management. Programming note for fans of Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ's Saturday Night Tradition, all requests Saturday night, that will start as scheduled at 7 o'clock on the digital stream. So through the website, the MMQ app, uh, whatever your streaming device is, smart speaker, uh, the linear signal over the air will be joined in progress once post-game coverage of MSU at Illinois ends here tonight, whenever that may be. Okay? All right. So we are about nine, excuse me, two and a half hours from kickoff. Uh, Michigan State at Illinois. We know what's on the line today. If MSU loses to Illinois, who, by the way, you know, it's not like it would be a shame. Illinois has been solid this year and 7-1 and one and a hair from being 8-0 like we talked about. That would leave the Spartans at 3-6 and six with no margin for error if they want a postseason. They would have to win all three of their remaining games, home versus Rutgers, home versus Indiana, and at Penn State. That's to get them to play a Mid-American Conference team at Ford Field December 26th. <laughs> but I think, like, honestly, it's more about the 20 extra practices. Coaches See, want that because in-state has a lot of young guys playing. It's a young program, right, for the most part. Yeah, that means nothing to me. Never has. Practice agrees with me, but it's never I think it's, I think it's important. It's interesting. Chris Solari said possibly Sam Edwards, who was a star at Lansing Catholic on their state title team of, uh, uh, in 2019, he would be what a redshirt sophomore might be part of the playing group now. That's that was surprising to hear that, but with all the guys that are out, that's a possibility now. Yep, it's uh, that's the situation. Well, we talked. There's going to be the... guys on the dress list that we've never heard of See, before. I, with the games they have left, to me, this isn't even a discussion 
until or unless they beat Illinois today. Because if they win today, then you can say, well, you can make a case they'll beat Rutgers and Indiana at home. That gets them a winning record. That gets them bowl eligible. Since when and then sports... winning at Penn State then would be something that would get them beyond <laughs> Fort Field to something that's more Big Ten manageable. Since when in sports radio do we wait for something to happen to talk and speculate about it? Well, that's why I said to him all week, the Illinois game has value for Michigan State to win. Because the next two games yeah. are winnable games. Sure. You would be going to Penn State ostensibly with a three-game winning streak. You would have a winning record, right? Now, you're going to be an underdog of Penn State regardless, and you might not win there. But what if you did? And you went 4-0 in November. Let me ask you this. Providing you have to beat to win today, of course. Let me ask you this. Since you, uh, it's interesting, you're saying we shouldn't talk about it until it happens. But you're a king of hypotheticals. What a... What a walking hypocrisy to Well, I mean, I'm, I'm saying what's going to happen, win or lose. If it's a loss, then do you just play the last three games. Let me ask you this. If they win today, then those next two if, home games mean something. If you lose today, it still might. Because there is precedence for a 5-17 and 17 yeah, getting but, into a bowl game. Uh, but ask Brock. How, I mean, that's an embarrassment to me. That just solidifies <laughs> the fact that the bowl system is a joke. But getting in at 6-6 six and six is embarrassing, too. Well, like, well, well how big of a... uh, The Mid-American Conference matchup, is that's a reward for the season you had when usually you play that at the front end <laughs> so that you get an automatic win, which they did twice with Western and Akron. Now, if they did play a MAC team in Fort Field in the quick lane bowl, could be Eastern they Michigan. could finish 3 and on the Mac and say they're Mac champs. Or you could lose to a Mac team. Well, then they're 2-1. and one. And what a nasty taste in your mouth to end the season. Well, with a losing record. And to a Mac school. How do you think like, the crowd... That's how, not the point, though. Like how, that's not. It's not a reward anymore. It hasn't been any time recently. Bowl yeah, games are not the, a big deal. That's what the advertisement is. Well, but we all know that's dishonest, right? It's not... It's What it's really about, and everyone in this room knows it, and everyone listening knows it, it's about TV viewership and advertising revenue. Well, and That's ESP, what it's about. And, and ESP, so that's why, like, the reward for a bowl game is not the bowl game. Again, the program benefits more... From the 20 extra practices. But you're a younger generation, and I think the generation of people who buy the tickets and watch college football are a lot of people who remember the bowl system as being far more than what it was. If you ask Ayani, he'll tell you the greatest bowl experience by far is playing in a Rose Bowl, which I totally agree. Now, I understand that if it's not part of the Final Four... Well, then, then, you know, then nationally it's not going to have the same weight that goes with it. But the Rose Bowl sells out 100000 every single year no matter who plays in it. The Big Ten's been a part of it as the granddaddy. Except when UCLA plays the home game there. Then and, you get maybe 5000 But that's different. It is. Uh, and, but, but that's my point. It's different now. That's why, like, bowl games don't matter. We're not in the 60s anymore when you could only go to a Rose Bowl once. Well, the and you couldn't even is, go the next year if you won it all you again. You don't take a 5-7 and seven team if you're short just because of their name. You take it because academically, and I have no idea where all these guys and are that's academically. Only if you don't, and that's only if you don't fill out the bowls with all the 6-6 six and six teams. Right. Well, but, hey, there's also precedence for 6-6 six and six teams to say no thank you to a bowl game, and that opens up some spots. Notre Dame has done that in the past. It's beneath them to play in the Hawaii Bowl, things like that. Although they have played in the Hawaii Bowl before. Yeah. What, when I mean, Jimmy Clausen was the What was the year they declined it? There was a bowl where they got in at 6-6 six and six and said, no, this is this is." Oh, not. I think it was the last year. No, what happened? Well, Charlie Weiss, wasn't don't it? they need the 20 practices? They do. But, you know, it's Notre Dame. They've, they have appearances to keep up. But but the thing is, the thing is I, I think it was the last year of uh, Lou Holtz. They lost to uh, USC last game of the season. They finished, I think, 9-3 and three or 8-4. and four. Did not finish in the BCS, 
and uh, uh, didn't get any of the at-large bids, so they just declined to bowl and didn't go. I was talking about more recently in 2009. Okay. They declined a bowl invite at a 6-6 six and six record. Okay. Um, it was after they fired Charlie Weiss, so they okay, didn't but, have a coach. But you're aware that the Big Ten has contracted. What, yes. What is it, Brian? I think nine it's or 9 or 10, 10 bowls. It's 9 or 10 bowls. They're contracted. You, you, there's no bowl on, because that's how you get paid. Yes. You get, you Which, mean, again, that's what this is all about. Yeah. That, uh, that bowl, by the way, that Notre Dame said no thanks to in 2009, the Insight.com Bowl, which is in oh, Arizona. That was, a, that was a big one. <laughs> which is in Arizona. I mean, yeah. I always circle my calendar. What's yeah. that called now? Is it- I think it's just the Arizona Bowl that they didn't play last year because Central Michigan was supposed to play Insight. in it. Insight.com disappeared. Yeah. Elon Musk bought it. <laughs> was, there ever an, <laughs> was there ever an Enron Bowl? Maybe the state could go to that. Well, it would have been in Houston. And remember, uh, Minute Maid Park was named Enron Stadium before they ran into problems. All right, let me let me catch you up real quick, Tim. I know you are captivated by what's going on in Evanston. It's well, still- first of all, they showed a picture of the weather there, and those trees look like they were almost like in Florida during a hurricane. If that's the case in Evanston, what's it going to be like in Champaign? Because obviously that weather has played a huge factor. Because if you'd have told me that Northwestern could go to halftime leading Ohio State, and they're a 37-and-a-half-point dog, I think Ohio State's going to have a hard time covering today. But that weather's been a massive factor. So if it's that way in Champaign, now football teams don't look like the football teams you've seen previously. And Ohio State proves it. 521 left in the first half. It's still 7 to nothing Northwestern. Listen, to some of the numbers are just mind-numbing. C.J. Stroud, can we agree if he's not the leader for the Heisman, he's certainly in the top two. He's 6 for 16 with 46 yards. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, it's that kind of day. Obviously, the weather playing a huge role in it. But then this, Tim, I'm being serious when I ask you this. When's the last time Ohio State punted four times in a game, let alone in the first half? Well, it wasn't against Northwestern. <laughs> uh, but I, I, but in all, but I'm being serious too. If that, I don't know. Champagne's what, Brock? 150 miles south. If yeah. the weather's they showed they've been showing the the wind on the trees and the flags. I mean, it's unreal. What well, I can only imagine what those airplanes landing at O'Hare nearby must be going oh through trying God. to land smoothly. It's uh, bad when it's good out there landing at O'Hare. Yeah, you've so, been there recently. I had a flight come in a couple months ago and I almost barfed my brains out. And it was like bright and sunny. Well, what is it about that place? That's why I take the train to go to Chicago. Well, I was coming back from Mexico. Oh, uh, well, you I couldn't have, take a train. You don't have that option. <laughs> I couldn't take a train. If I could, uh, well, never mind. That wouldn't be an yeah, appropriate let's, let's joke. Let's not go there. <laughs> All right. Uh, but let's go here. Let's take a timeout. Well, because- send me, let me, since you asked me, let me send you to timeout with this. <laughs> Whoa. If Northwestern wins today, name me the last time there had been a bigger upset in college football of a 37-point underdog. 30, I don't know. I don't either. I thought you were going to say the last time Ohio State got upset this bad, and I think it would probably be Purdue a couple years ago on the road. Or Iowa on the road. Yeah, or remember when Juice Williams in Illinois beat them in the shoe back in 2008? Seven. 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 Maybe then. But that wasn't 37 and a half points, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. I'll I'll effort that for you, Tim. Well, I, I mean, just because I like you, I I it, I think Ohio State's going to have a hard time today covering thirty-seven and a half since they haven't scored yet. 
But it, to me, with between Northwestern and that win, the Buckeyes are struggling mightily. That's why you play these games. The win, To me, if you're a big underdog like State in Illinois, the win can only help you. It can't hurt you any more than it, everything else already has. I think the listeners can infer Tim has some action on Ohio State covering the 37 no, and a half. I away because I, I thought they'd get all those guys out of there after they got a big lead so they wouldn't get hurt. Now they got to use them Now to you're just being modest. Don't worry. Ohio State ended the game against Iowa with eight straight trips to the end zone. It's still possible. Ask Brock if he likes Purdue. Iowa's lost six straight to Purdue. They're at Purdue today, and they're leading 17 to nothing in the second uh, That quarter. defies description. We're out. We're back on the other side. Mad Dogs take on the game and more of Tim Stout's crippling sports gambling addiction here on White Law PLC Tailgate Show, 1240 WJIM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Back with more of the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show on 1240 WJIM and 94.9 MMQ in less than 60 seconds. It's time for another game day travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Driven by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. Taking a look at your weather one more time. There's a wind advisory in uh, Champaign until uh, 8 o'clock uh, tonight. That's 8 o'clock uh, central time. Mostly cloudy skies, but it's eventually going to become mostly sunny with temperatures falling to about 50 degrees. But it will be windy. Again, wind advisory until 8 o'clock. Winds out of the southwest, 20 to 30 miles an hour, gusting as high as 50 miles an hour. It's 64 degrees right now in Champaign. Here in East Lansing, rain and wind, 61 degrees. There's a wind advisory until 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, temperature steady in the in the mid 60s, but south winds 20 to 25 miles an hour, gusting as high as 50 miles an hour, and there'll be a chance of rain pretty much the rest of the day. Your weather update is brought to you by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. This is the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Today's broadcast is brought to you by White Law PLLC, Shaheen Chevrolet, Price Right Auto and RV, Blue Moon Belgian White. Now, now, let's talk to the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout, and offensive-minded host, Beanie Howell, from the Price Right Auto and RV Studios. And we're back. White Law PLLC Tailgate Show, 1240 WJIM Lansing's Big Talker and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ, live from the Price Right RV Studio, and also brought to you by Blue Moon Belgian White, Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac, MSU Healthcare Sports Medicine, Doubting Industries, Shoepan and Sons Recycling Industrial Services, Gravity Smokehouse, and MSU Federal Credit Union. It's time now for Mad Dog's Take on the Game with David Mad Dog DeMarco, brought to you as always by Blue Moon Belgian White. One of a kind every time, and Blue Moon is a proud partner of Michigan State Athletics. Mad Dog, how you doing, and uh, do you got any thoughts on Tunnelgate and, and what the reaction has been outside of this part of the world? Hi, fellas. How you doing? Hi, Dean. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Brock. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hello, Dave. 75 and cloudy here in Cedar Bluff, Alabama. Uh, I watched that game last week uh, at Gravity Smokehouse. I had brought a party of about 25 people in there. And because Dean knows you have to support your sponsors because they're golden, right, Dean? They're golden. They're more than golden. They're they're more than family. They're more than family. (laughs) 
Almost. Sponsors I, first, Brandon, family second. <laughs> well, I mean, I know how Dean, how he operates on his show. I think mean, he's been doing it a long time. He's seen it all. And, Brandon, you you attended Michigan State not too long ago, really. You were in the band. You've been around, too. And, I mean, we saw the Devin Bush thing a couple years back. We've seen all these things with this rivalry. Uh, I called, and I know you had Chris on earlier. I called Chris first thing in the morning, Sunday morning, early. Um, and because I was in Lansing last weekend, and he was he was shook up talking to me. I mean, I've known him a long time, and Chris was shook up. I mean, he was, you could tell he was still absolutely upset. I mean, he was right in the middle of it. You guys have seen it. Uh, I know that he, he was, in, and he wasn't injured, but I know that he got, he got roughed up a little bit because he was right in the middle of that scrum. And I, after I've watched this all week long, I'm not on sports talk radio in that area, but and I didn't even want to listen because I can imagine it was just like being in a straight jacket uh, or having your, having your hands in light sockets listening to who was wrong, who was right, this, that, whatever. And... I don't even know where to go with this, fellas. I mean, Dean, you're the elder statesman, and I know that you've talked about this with your friends and your family and with your fans and your listeners and your coworkers at 10 and, and with Brock and with Brandon. And Brandon, you know, you've been doing this. You know, you did it for three years, and you came back and took the slot over when I left, and you've been around. And It, it was just beyond comprehension that, that something like that could get out of hand um, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It was, it was, at least no one was paralyzed, but I mean, getting hit in the head with a helmet, like he was, uh, the player from Michigan and all the stuff that had gone on and, you know, how, how Tucker handled it, how Harbaugh handled it. It was just, it was a disgrace to sports. It was a disgrace to both universities. I cut it right down in the middle. I mean, I know it was a gang kind of deal, but it shouldn't even have happened. And we've seen all this stuff in in the past, uh, in all the rhetoric, in all, you know, joking around Xanax week with Michigan, Michigan State. This was, this was assault. I mean, who's kidding who? Uh, and it was just terrible. And after everything that Michigan State and Michigan, with their doctor, Anderson, Nasser, I know people are bringing that in, but with such bad stuff that has happened in the last few years on both these campuses, and then for this to happen, um, it, like I said, it's beyond comprehension how how I know the, the timing just got – your ass handed to you. You got beat. Uh, they started out good. Michigan State did, but then you know it, they didn't cover. And I told you, Dean, that was the that's the, the the way you had to go. They didn't cover by one number, but the, it wasn't about the game. It was about uh, the situation, and it could have been a lot worse, even though it was bad. And and I mean, Tunnelgate. I know you know you put a spin on it, and you know we've we've heard all these kind of things with this, but somebody could have got seriously serious. I mean, they did get injured, but I mean, to the point of 
you know, depth. I mean, really. I mean, you got ten guys messing with one or two guys like that, and emotions are running so high that you can't even you can't even know unless you're down there like Chris was. And like I said, I mean, Chris has been doing this a long time. I imagine I know what he said. I've talked to him a couple of times. And, uh, well, uh, yeah, Andrew Boots texting me right now. I mean, I could go off how I really believe it, but I got to sort of be on par because I can't swear on the radio. I've known that for 26 years. Shouldn't have happened. And whether they were the Michigan State players were baited, not baited, I mean, you still got to have a little bit of common sense. You just do. And it was, yeah, it was beyond comprehension from my standpoint because I couldn't believe how it got out of hand. And like I said, I talked to Chris Solari the next morning, and he still was pretty shaken up about it. And I really didn't, until I've watched it so many times, uh, it's, you know, that's the way I feel. It just, it could have been a lot worse. And now, from you guys' standpoint, you're at ground zero. Tell me what you, you know, what people have been saying, and what you guys. Think. Oh, it's it's been exactly what you would predict. It's been so toxic, and um, you know, we're on twelve forty WJIM, and it's kind of appropriate because the fallout from this has been as toxic as Republicans versus Democrats. And I, I wonder if the MSU uh, Michigan football rivalry has now crossed the point of no return the way it seems like American politics did in 2016 with that whole nasty election and everything that's happened since. It just seems like we've, we've reached a point where there's there's no going back with the levels of toxicity. But I, I'm interested what um, if you could share, and maybe you can't, um, if Andrew Abood was was uh, giving you some legal insights on this, because something I'm interested about no, is one of the one of the players. He was giving me some gas is what he was. Well, one of the players for Michigan, the aggrieved, according to Harbaugh, Jamon Green, hired an attorney that's seeking like civil damages and the guy is a real bleep starter on twitter you can check him out he's also the same attorney that shea patterson hired to get immediate eligibility and that curtis blackwell hired when he sued michigan state for wrongful termination and defamation and all that stuff which by the way uh that was a losing case but anyway um this guy has said he's going after uh, msu for culpability because of what happened in the tunnel and i've heard from other lawyers uh, off the record, just me talking, that that could be a strategic mistake because if anyone is liable for what happened in the tunnel, it's U of M as, um, you know, they're in charge of the infrastructure and security and it clearly failed. And by the way, um, there's precedence here to show that this was not new. We've had three instances of confrontations between Michigan and the visiting team in three of their last four Big Ten home games. Go ahead, Dean. I got to have your, <laughs> you're not spin. I got to have, and, and, and I'm not going to disagree with what anything has been said here so far. So uh, the, the reason why I said beyond comprehension, because I just didn't know that, that, you know, it, it could get out of hand like that. But go ahead, Dean. You've been around longer than, than I have. So I, I don't have anything further than, I mean, it was the dominant, you know, story for most of the week. And because there's no, 
you know, there's been no report. The, the uh, M Live heard from the U of M police that we don't have anything to tell you because we're not done yet. So the Big Ten hasn't said anything. Michigan State hasn't done anything further. There's nothing new to add. And I'm ready to move on and let Michigan State see if he can beat Illinois today. I'm tired of talking right. about I, it, to be honest with you. Me too. It's, it's, yeah, been, no. it's been beat to a pulp. So today's Saturday. It's game day. Let's play the game. And, and it's toxic, yeah, Dave. I, well, it's, it has a poisonous effect on on both sides, honestly. And I'll tell you, like obviously, obviously everyone reasonably agrees with everything Dave said, uh, inexcusable to resort to violence in practically every scenario. And certainly when you're just, your feelings are hurt because you lost a football game, that's no excuse for, for violence. But I'll tell you what else isn't helping. Uh, what else is not helping this and is increasing the toxicity and in, in flaring both sides, the regular people, which is where a lot of the hate is, is coming from, is one of the head coaches openly campaigning for criminal charges in this out of a fight between football players. Like, where are we headed? I would love to hear what lawyers have to say about that. And like Lynn Henning told Tim this week, how have we gotten to this point? Like, that, this is a serious criminal investigation, a fight between football players. What's next? We're going to have lawsuits out of targeting penalties? I Like I said, the sports has come such in a direction that that you can't even comprehend. I mean, you got, and again, I use that word. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I, I never thought that some of this stuff, like with the Kyrie Irving Gordon or stuff like that. And I know that's totally opposite of what we're talking about, but it's, it, and Tim's right. I know that if I was there, I'd be gagging maggots talking about this all the time because it just, and I told my family this, it just won't go away. And, you know, it is about the game. I mean, can Michigan State go into Champaign, which they're there, with absence of some players that got suspended, and they're a 16-point uh, road dog. And, and Bielema, I mean, we know the past between he and Michigan State when he was at Wisconsin. He's going to want to carve these guys like a turkey on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> and, you know, when I read the offensive keys, you know, I, I'll explain to everybody what I think. This is just a team that is, you know, rudderless. It, it just is. I don't know if they can, if they can get a bowl game. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to have enough players to do this. And you know, I, I know that this is upsetting to everybody because of how well they were last year with Kenneth Walker the third and the games that they won and they go to a bowl game, but. This, coupled with what happened last weekend, is, is just not a good situation. And, and they can they can right the ship again, being a 16-point underdog. Last week they were, what, 24, 25-point? I mean, you know, and they covered, which a lot of people probably were happy about. But, I mean, they were in the game for a while, and they did play pretty decent. And then, you know, the bottom fell out. But... I will read my uh, offensive keys as we speak. Good afternoon. These are your old keys brought to you by White Law, PLLC, 517-316-1195. 60 years experience, $1 billion plus in results, 30,000 plus clients. Served fighting for their clients is their highest priority. Request a free consultation. Uh, and they want to give a sh- And I want to give a shout-out to Jamie White. Uh, well, a lot has transpired since I gave you last week's old keys. This has gone from bad to worse with Mel Tucker's team this year. Now they have to travel to Illinois where they're, the Fighting Illini are a 16-point home favorite. 
Michigan State offensively and cohesively have to, again, try and put together an aggressive offensive scheme that will attack the defense. Peyton Thorne is 153 for 238 for 1,714 yards, 12 TDs, 8 picks. If he struggles today, pull him. He has to be better on the field in all facets, especially leadership with this team, and I think he's up to the task. Berger has 89 carries for 384 yards, 5 TDs. Coleman has 36 catches for 548 yards, 6 TDs. Get the ball to Reed. The old coordinator coordinator has to pull out all the stops for the Spartans to have any chance for a victory. Total letter is at 3.30 Eastern. Brett Bielema right now, uh, he is of course the head coach. He's got to be filing his teeth before this game. MSU has to be competitive and show up in this game and that's pretty much a ambiguous blanket umbrella statement for this and it's just unfortunate how this is all panned out and I understand how people are on both sides of the fence of this thing last week but Again, like Tim said, that he's right. He's been around. Uh, Got to move on. This is football. These guys are can't can't practice. They go to school, uh, and they're still on scholarship until this is sifted through this investigation. This team, that the players that are there, they they have to play their hearts out today uh, in Champaign. What's your uh, final score prediction, Dave? I'm going to say twenty-seven. 24 champagne uh the fighting Illini. nail biter absolute and a heartbreaking loss heartbreaking loss yeah the, well i mean there's been a lot of heartbreaking stuff going on man yeah a heartbreaker i mean i, I mean it's just the way it is it sounds it, like the offensive I, keys kicked in to get them 24 against the nation's number one defense if they get 24 how many how many have scored 24 on brock how many teams have scored 24 in illinois I can tell you that. I got it right here. Has anybody? Indiana got 23. No one. The no. closest was uh, Indiana scored 23 in overtime. So it sounds oh, like overtime. Okay. Dave's got that high-flying Spartan offense giving Illinois oh. all at once. Well, I look at it like this. You asked me last week, what I, I, I'm the guy that picks the games. You're right. I am the guy that picks the games. I pick the right side. And I'm going to pick the right side. So they, they, you know, that's a lot of points. It just is. It is. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm trying to be as upbeat as I can be <laughs> and as positive as I can be, but being a realist, yeah. I mean, they, they could go in there and just get clocked. I mean, you remember the Lovey Smith game uh, a few years yeah. back when they, they D'Antonio, they had him on the ropes and they just Lovey Smith just blew them out. It, you know, we've we've been exposed to so much stuff at, at the Michigan State chapter, and this is no. You know, when you have a lot of uh, success like they did last year, I don't know if they laid on their laurels. I don't know if this NIL thing has is, is been uh, not good and positive for the players of Michigan State. Transfer portals, you know, you thought that some of these players that they were bringing in were going to help this team, and they haven't. Uh, they had the one last year. So I guess everybody's going to come down to sea level and see exactly, you know, the Mel Tucker era and, and what is going on because – well, they better uh, hope Bishby. They, they're they, going to have to struggle. I was going to gonna say, they better hope Bishby is happy. He may want that money back, money back to buy the Washington Commanders. Yeah, that's actually, he's mulling it. That's it's already been reported. It's in the news today. So he may need the money back from state to go buy the Commanders. <laughs> Just throwing that out you know, there. He, right, Brock? I, I know. I mean, I don't, I know <laughs> that, you know, Dan Snyder's had so many problems with his team. And right now, 
uh, you know, there's going to be if he puts that team up for sale, there's it's going to get sold. It's, it's just going to get sold. That would be something if he ended up by buying that, and I I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't happen. That's Mad Dog's take on the game, brought to you by Blue Moon Belgian White. Dave, thanks so much for making time. Let's do it again next week. We don't know All exactly right, what time yet. And everybody listening, have a great day. Enjoy it. See you. All right, take care, it. Dave. Appreciate He's got it. Got LSU tonight. That's obviously on it. It's weighing on his mind. You can tell. Oh yeah, we'll That's talk. Weighing on his mind. We'll take a break and talk about that, the point spread thereof, and a couple other big games as we close it out with you and give you our takes, our official predictions on MSU at Illinois in just a few minutes as we wrap up the White Law PLLC Tailgate Show, live from the Price Right RV Studio here at 1240 WJIM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ, back after these words. Another travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Next. The Mel Tucker Show is back for another season on Lansing's Big Talker 1240 WJIM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Get up close and personal with the head coach of Michigan State football every Thursday night. Be there in person or just call in and ask the questions you want answered. The Mel Tucker Show on 1240 WJIM. Brought to you by Ameriprise Financial, Dark Bank, Doubting Industries Incorporated, Chupan and Sons Incorporated, Blue Moon Belgian White. The Mel Tucker Show on 1240 WJIM. It's time for another game day travel update from the 1240 WJIM Traffic Center. Driven by Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. One final look at the weather in Champaign, Illinois. There is a high wind advisory, there is a wind advisory in the Champaign until uh, 8 o'clock uh, tonight. Uh, it will affect the game, you would think. Uh, mostly cloudy early on and then gradually becoming mostly sunny during the game. Temperatures falling to about 50 degrees by the time we get to halftime. But the wind will be a factor. Winds out of the southwest 20 to 30 miles an hour. Gusts as high as 50 miles an hour. Right now, 64 degrees and overcast and, of course, windy in Champaign. Here in East Lansing, 63 degrees, uh, mostly a cloudy skies. There's a wind advisory until 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, Temperature will drop into the low 50s uh, when we get uh, dark tonight. Winds out of the south, 25 to 30 miles an hour, gusting as high as 50 miles an hour. That's a look at your weather one final time, and it's brought to you by Chevy uh, Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac. Relax and enjoy the Shaheen difference. This is the White Law PLLC Tellgate Show on Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Today's broadcast is brought to you by White Law PLLC, Shaheen Chevrolet, Price Right Auto and RV, Blue Moon Belgian White. Now, let's talk to the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout, and offensive-minded host, Beanie Howell, from the Price Right Auto and RV Studios. All right, welcome back. White Law PLLC Tailgate Show, 1240 WJIM Lansing's Big Talker, Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ, live from those Price Right RV studios. Also brought to you by Blue Moon Belgian White, Dart Bank Mortgage, Joe Sambear, Ameriprise Financial, Craig Stiles, DBI We Do Office, High Caliber Carding and Entertainment, The Student Bookstore, The Nut House, and Gazelle Wealth Management. All right, one last look at the scoreboard. Ohio State kind of figured it out, tied it up right before half. 7-7 Buckeyes, Wildcats in Evanston. You feel better, Tim? 
Well, uh, I, I mean, if you if people are just hearing that for the first time, they're going to wonder what's going on. You got uh, they're now in the second half in both Madison, Wisconsin's crushing Maryland seventeen to nothing. Uh, Nebraska's still ahead, although Minnesota got a field goal. It's ten three Nebraska third quarter, and then the big other one is you know I mean they're the Big Ten West is on the line, frankly, and Purdue's behind at halftime at home to Iowa seventeen three. You got the rest of the top twenty five. Yes, power through it. Texas Tech. Uh, falling behind now after an early lead. It's TCU at home with a 13-10 lead there in the third quarter. Number 17, North Carolina, trailing 14-10 in the third at Virginia. Number 19, Tulane, the apple of Tim's eye. They are 17-10 leading in the third quarter right now, and that wraps up the top 25 Could action. we have our first uh, tailgate show next week in the morning of the season? I got a feeling. I was just thinking about that. I got a feeling. How it's blessed have we been? We've not had one of those early tailgate shows yet. Because I think Penn State will be 3.30. They yeah. won't go up against Michigan, Ohio State. And then Brock thinks the Indiana game could still get bumped to 3.30. I, I hope you're right. I, hope I don't want right. to do, what is it, 8 a.m.? 8.30 to 10. 8th, I don't want to do that. Yeah, we'll find, we'll, we may find out tomorrow whether that's going to be a... Uh, or tonight, new, yeah, frankly. Possibly. Yeah. Tonight, because last week, they right after the Michigan-Michigan State game, they gave they told State you're playing at 3.30 at Illinois. But I've never remembered a year where we've gone this far into November without a game starting at noon. Likewise. Um, kind of nice. I like it. But anyway... Let's uh, let's take a look at some point spreads before we give our predictions and wrap up the White Law PLLC tailgate show. The big one today is number one. I'm doing college football playoff rankings. Number one, Tennessee at number three, Georgia. Pair of eight no teams. Georgia laying eight, three thirty on CBS. Seventy seven percent of the tickets on this game on Tennessee, and eighty plus percent of the money on the Volunteers as well. Your thoughts on that, guys? Georgia wins, doesn't cover. I'm with you, Beanie. I think uh, Georgia will win and cover because they're upset that they're ranked third. And I think they want to make a statement against Tennessee. Tennessee's defense isn't very good, relatively speaking. Georgia's is. They're playing at home between the hedges. I love Georgia. Tennessee is this year's 2021 MSU. Flying high, riding this unexpected well, wave, but until with the 120th beat. passing defense. I think we see that come to the fore today, the kind of way it, it did at this time last year with Purdue against mm. Michigan State. Mm. Georgia However, has three tight ends they're going to play on Sundays. You know, the angle on this game is that the secondary market tickets are more expensive for this game than the World Series tonight in Houston. That's strong. That's strong. more exciting, too. Right? Probably speaking, yeah. Less yeah. cheating going on in this game, too. That's just an editorialization. Of course. Georgia, I feel like, has been just on like autopilot since crushing Oregon in the opener, 49-3. They've looked bored, and they haven't really been challenged. Uh, I can't really blame them. <laughs> but uh, now they're awake and PO'd over that ranking. Uh, yeah, I suspect they, they win by like 10 points. How about this one? Also in the SEC, and uh, I know you'll have thoughts on this, Tim. Number six, Alabama, seven and one, at surprisingly relevant now. Number ten, LSU, six and two. Without getting into it, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Brian Kelly, Alabama's favorite in the first place. Well, to be honest with you, let's give Brian Kelly credit since falling zero and one in a really fluky, weird game against Florida State to start the season. In the they, Superdome, yeah, they've won six out of seven. The one being a blowout loss in the Bayou to Tennessee, which is forgivable, I suppose. But they've put it together. They look like a good team. And then there's this 13-and-a-half, yeah. LSU getting 13-and-a-half at home. at home at night. At home at night. Isn't that madness? Or, or what do they know that I don't? That just seems nuts. And then there's this. 
Alabama has a legitimately, by their standards and SEC rankings this year, a bad defense. It's not good. No. And worse, uh, Jaden Daniels, LSU quarterback, is the exact, sign of, uh, the exact kind of quarterback that has given Saban's defense fits for the last 20 years. Who's got a better chance to win, LSU over Alabama or Notre Dame over Clemson? Notre Dame over Clemson. Okay. But that doesn't mean LSU doesn't have a chance. Oh, I think L- I mean betting against I, LSU at home in prime time. And I take big LSU game, to cover thirteen and a half. That's I take, crazy value. I take LSU to cover. Me too. I don't think they'll win, but me they'll too. Cover. Me too. And most of uh, the betting public agree. Sixty-eight percent of the tickets are on LSU with fifty-nine percent of the well, money the on the Tigers. The quarterback's going to have to have a Heisman Trophy night. I think. I mean, he had one against Tennessee and it wasn't good enough. He had one against Texas and it was good enough at the bitter end. Can he do it at LSU? And like you say, LSU's coming on. They are ranked tenth. Yeah, destroyed Ole Miss last time out. Bye week, two weeks to play. Prepare yep. for this. Yep. Uh, let's move to the last one I wanted to get on the board before we go to our picks and wrap up the show. You just mentioned it. Number four, Clemson, 7-0 and at Notre Dame. Speaking about how Brian Kelly, former Notre Dame coach and LSU, have put it together lately, so have the Irish. Since inexplicably losing at home to Marshall and falling to 0-2, they've all of a sudden won 5 of 6. Now, the one is concerning. They gave Stanford Stanford's only Power 5 win this year. At Marshall. And they lost yeah. at home to Marshall. Yeah. But you know that was but a long be time ago. Now. Next year, when they open with Cade McNamara quarterback in the opening game against Tennessee State in South Bend, it's been a long time since that Mar- uh, Marshall game. Because listen to this: of the last five games they've played, they've rushed for two hundred plus yards four times. The one game they didn't was against Stanford, and they had one hundred and fifty. Notre Dame has figured something out on offense. The defense was already solid. The defense is good. They'll be highly motivated. It's prime time in South Bend for this game, which can can atone for the fact that somehow on God's green earth they lost at home to Marshall and Stanford, most notably Marshall. And you know what? If if Notre Dame wins out, you know the New Year's Six will find a way to put a nine and three Notre Dame team in. But well, they I would mean, have to beat a USC at the end of the year. And, and they will be number. That's where you'll see it tonight, prime time. So if you get sick of Michigan Rutgers on the Big Ten Network, you can go to Channel Ten and watch Notre Dame Clemson. Irish getting three and a half at home under the lights. And Alabama LSU. Uh, that's just that a crazy must, That must be ESPN. Alabama LSU. Yeah, game. it, it is. is. Yeah, that's it. There are three games to watch tonight, huh? Well, yeah, this Notre Dame game. Series. Last thing on this Notre Dame game. It's the DJ Uyunglele yep. storyline. Because his star was born there two years ago when Trevor Lawrence was out with COVID. He throws for 400-plus yards, two touchdowns. They lose in double overtime. A chance to restore his former glory after getting benched in the third quarter of their barely comeback over, overcoming four-turnover win. Against Syracuse, their last time out. They've and had a bye There will not be a tunnel issue at Notre Dame. They, <laughs> they built a tunnel for the visiting team. All right, last one. We got about a minute and a half. Less no, we're just going to do MSU Illinois, our picks. Illinois 27 right? to 14. Uh, Illinois 26 to 9. I'll go Illinois 30, State 7. Does Michigan cover against Rutgers? No, that's no. just a huge spread. It, no. Last I saw it was uh, 26 and a half. Yeah. I can get you an update. We got time for that, 26. right? Well, they don't 26. have Jeremy playing tonight. They don't have the two guys that got right. playing. Without them, they can't cover. Those guys are in full body casts, I heard. I've yeah, been, it's Michigan know. laying 26 on the road. Some things are just too too crazy for gambling like that. All right, boys. It's been real. Thanks for being here. We'll do it again next week. The White Law PLLC Tailgate Show is back a week from today on Saturday, November 12th. We don't know what time because MSU Rutgers game time has not been announced. But whatever it is, we'll come on air three and a half hours beforehand and take you up to 90 minutes before kickoff. Thanks to our sponsors, Blue Moon Belgian White, Shaheen Chevrolet and Cadillac, 
MSU Healthcare Sports Medicine, Doubting Industries, Shoepan and Sons, Gravity Smokehouse, MSU FCU, Dart Bank Mortgage Joe Sambear, Ameriprise Financial Craig Stiles, DBI We Do Office, High Caliber Carding and Entertainment, The Student Bookstore, The Nuthouse, Gazelle Wealth Management, and of course, Price Right Auto and RV and White Law PLLC. Take care until next week. Until then, go green. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM Lansing, and Classic Rock 94.9 WMMQ East Lansing, Down Square Media Stations.